Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a Medallia company, and the Success League. StrikeDeck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The StrikeDeck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. And today I'm joined by Boaz Mayor, the Chief Customer Officer for Talic. He's in the middle of converting a support team to a customer success team, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Boaz, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Kristen. So I know you've been on the podcast before, but since it's been a few years, could you share with the audience your journey into customer success? Sure. I've been in customer-facing roles my entire professional career, close to 30 years now. And in the 2010, 11, 12, when customer success started to become a thing, I latched onto it because it just made a lot of sense and was exciting. And Mm -hmm. I was happy to be part of that uh, new function being formed. So I'm, I'm a, you can say, a startup person with a passion for customer success. I've been at nine startups until now. Talek is my ninth. Um, And I've been in customer facing roles the last four of them, the leader of the customer success function, whether, you know, VP or customer, uh, chief customer officer or whatever. Great. Um, We're going to be talking a lot about what's going on in your current company, Talek. For a little bit of background, can you share with us what the company does and their mission? Sure. It actually is very interesting uh, and important to this conversation because it's a very unique use case. Um, Talek is a company that provides um, point-of-sale solution for SMBs in retail, restaurants, and services. We serve predominantly very small companies. I can say that 75% of my customers uh, provide our single location places that are paying me less than $1,000 a year. So this is very much the, the long tail of yeah. small SMBs. And we're providing with a set of solutions that are a combination of software that we provide, a couple of partner solutions, and hardware that we um, you know, resell on behalf of some other providers. Got it. And you were telling me, um, as we were just getting started on this interview, what TALIC means. Can you tell the audience? Because I think it's kind of cool. It is very cool. Talek is an old Mayan word that means a person who listens to others with the intent of helping, which I find extremely fitting, right, for a company that provides a service, right, for other companies and yeah. somebody can really corral around, corral the team behind, um, and it's very cool. Yeah, I love it. It's a great name. So as I mentioned earlier, you're in the process of converting what was it 
technical support team to more of a real current customer success organization. So why is this shift important to Talek? Sure. So I joined Talek about five months ago. Mm-hmm. And I was brought in in order to take a 50-some people support organization and convert it into a full-fledged customer success function, mm-hmm. right? Professional services for onboarding, technical support for maintaining the technical relations between us and our customers, customer management to drive adoption, usage, value, mm-hmm. um, knowledge management, operations, etc. The reason why this is critical now is the company Talek was acquired by U.S. Bank late last year, almost a year ago, mm-hmm. and has been in the process of um, integrating. That acquisition was aimed at taking what was created at Talek and really scale it. When I say really scale it, I mean take 8,000 customers that we have today and finish next year, right? finish 2021, 18 months or so from now, with 100,000. So we're going to grow somewhere (laughs) between 15 and 20x, which means that what worked until now is not going to work going forward. Talek as a startup was fairly lean um, and it worked with a support organization that did what it needed to do, but it didn't invest in highly sophisticated, scalable solutions. That transformation is what I was brought in to do. Got it. So... Tell me a little bit about your plan. You came in. What did you focus on in the first 30, 60, 90 days of starting in on this transformation? Sure. So, you know, obviously, when when you join a company, there is a personal onboarding that you do to yourself, right? You're trying to understand people, process, technology, customer, Mm -hmm. organization. How how is this place working? But apart from all of that, I focus a lot of my energy on, A, understanding the customers. There are 8,000 of them, right? Yeah. What segmentation? What are their type? What is their unique use case or type of use cases? This whole combination of hardware and software is unique. I haven't dealt with it before. I really need to, to, to understand it. Then I was um, spending a tremendous amount of time refining and developing the vision for customer success at Talek. I've been at other places. Mm-hmm. I have strong opinions about it, but you go into a new place, you have to yeah. adjust to that place and you know develop what fits there. And especially because we are a tiny startup as part of a very large, you know, seventy billion dollar type organization. Right. It's critical to build a vision and sell it to you know a gazillion amount of uh, different stakeholders at Mm -hmm. different divisions, different functions. And this is a bank, right? They don't have the concept of customer success. They barely understand the concept of SaaS. So there's a lot of education, but that education is critical because that's how you're going to get people's interest and approval and budgets to get things done. So I spent a lot of time on that side. Yeah. I also established a kind of a 30, 60, 90-day plan for myself, try to figure out where the low-hanging fruit slash most important things to do. And it became abundantly clear to me that two fundamental things are missing in where we are. One is we do not have a customer onboarding process that is project-based, right? When you think Mm -hmm. about the customer onboarding, it's a project. It has a start, scope, and end, right? Right. We have traditionally treated it more, which I think is the way most of the industry looks at it, as a support organization. Mm -hmm. You sign up, 
you get a contract, you, you know, someone ship you the hardware, and then when you have a problem, or if you have a problem, you call us. <laughs> yeah. That, that doesn't really fit with my view. So I right. set my sights on, okay, I need to build a professional services organization that knows how to do both remote and on-site activities, that know how to deal with um, onboarding a customer, which has a portion of it that is very technical, right? Connect the wires, mm-hmm. literally, right? It, yeah. There's some hardware in, uh, involved, but also train the customer, coach them, build a kind of excitement in them to use the right features, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So building an onboarding function is one. And the second one is building a customer management organization that can manage the ongoing business relations between us and our customers, help with the expand that happens after the land, right? That monitors the state of customers. What are they doing well? What are they not? Where can we help them, et cetera? Got it. So how did you think about your team? I know shifting from a reactive role to a proactive role can be challenging. How are you thinking about moving team members from one group to the other? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, we, we are all working in knowledge-oriented businesses and people mm-hmm. are the most important thing that, that we have. Um, it, it took a fair amount of work to define job descriptions, right? Most of these did not exist, right? I did not have anything outside support, right? So I needed to build right. that foundation, right? What's the vision? What's the mission? What's the org structure going to look like? You know, what type of people are we looking in terms of profile? What are their roles? And then I believe that to to build the right culture in a place, you need to always mix, kind of combine hiring from the outside, fresh blood, Mm -hmm. more skills, and promote from within to create the right opportunities and utilize the best people in the best way, which means some of those people, existing people that show skills and interest uh, in new roles should be optimized towards those. Mm-hmm. The problem with you know a move from a support, which is traditionally very reactive, to a full-fledged customer management organization, customer success organization, is that the, the tendency of people is not necessarily there. And when you're trying to drive a significant amount of change, you do need a lot of talent from the outside to drive that change management. So in my management team, I have, uh, you know, five different positions, sorry, six different positions. Um, Two of them come from existing people and four that I'm hiring from the outside. Yeah. Over time, I think I will promote, sorry, uh, over time, I'm I'm envisioning uh, creation of more career path for people Mm -hmm. to cross among these different teams. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, aside from just getting skills that are a little more tailored to the role, I think the other thing that you get from hiring from outside is somebody who can come in and set an example so that that's right. the people who are earlier in their career can look at that person and go, oh, that's how you do that. And then they can start to move toward that and you end up with a stronger performing team. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. This is exactly why you need this mixture of new and existing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that you don't want to promote all your great internal people, but um, sometimes it, you know, it is good to get that nice mix. I think so. If you, if you really think about what you just said, right, if you only promote from inside, 
you probably slow the organization down. And I would argue that you probably slow the development of those existing people because they don't have strong people to learn from, right? They only learn from one another and from their experience. That's not necessarily doing them the right level of service. So the, the right thing for the existing people is also to have a combination. You bring mm-hmm. strong people from the outside, the existing people have more people to learn from. That's a good thing. Yeah. And they'll develop faster. And then they can, exactly. you know, it, it may feel to them like, oh man, I got passed up for that promotion. But, you know, down the road, they'll actually progress quicker. Yeah. Especially if the people that you hire actually prove to be these kind of high quality, yeah. but also people that invest in the other people. Then it becomes mm-hmm. interesting and people like the fact that you brought people from the outside. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I love that advice. So let's switch gears and talk about process design. Um, I realize this is never really quote unquote done, but um, how far along are you on on that part of your project and how have you approached process design? So we started the process about uh, three, almost four months ago. Uh, we are launching in September our first wave of uh, the new onboarding redesign. That's the main okay. process I focused on. Okay. And it has been a huge effort. And, you know, we are launching phase one and we already have plans for two more phases to really get to, quote, unquote, close to Nirvana uh, in where we want to get. Um, the way I approached it is uh, the following. One, um, I hired a person that I worked with before um, who I knew to be a very strong analytical mind project manager that can lead this mm-hmm. kind of an effort, right? Because it's a it's a massive undertaking. Before she joined uh, the first couple of months that I was um, here, I was working on this. And yeah. when I needed someone who's full-time on it, just right. this, right? From the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you live and breathe the onboarding redesign because it's such a massive effort. So that was number one. The second thing that I've done is that I searched my network for um, any people I knew that have done things somewhat like that to pitch, to kind of pick pick their brains. Um, and I had, you know, fantastic, extremely educating conversations with people like um, Carlos Quezada at Aruba and Mac, mm-hmm. Max Oxley at Opal and a bunch of other people that gave me a lot of advice either on specific items hey, here's what we've done with, you know, an LMS, right? Or more Mm -hmm. broad way of, you know, here's how you may want to think about tools versus people and what's the balance and how to, you know, Mm -hmm. monetize slash, you know, budget, you know, what what your needs are. Uh, It's a a massive effort. It's it's both fun and at the same time, you know, nerving, right? Because... You, you are, we are about to launch a, a massive change to the way we work. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't work, it's going to be very painful. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, with the amount of thought you've given it, I mean, it's not ever going to be, no matter what you do, your process is never going to be perfect in V1. But if you get it mostly right, V2 will be much easier. Yes, but, you know, we are aggressive people. And <laughs> we I know you want it V1. to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, we, don't, we, don't want, we don't want V1 to be too small and, and minimal. Yeah. Right? You want the, the customer experience to be great, right? Yes. Um, so. But I think it can be great without being perfect. We're trying. <laughs> 
So tell me about technology. What what pieces of technology were in place when you joined the team and what did you need to add to the customer success tech stack? Perfect. So um, my, my support organization is fairly well structured and stacked with technology. Not perfect, but um, has all the, the, the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, the onboarding team obviously have not, right? So we are mm-hmm. creating a, a team and a process and technology together. The three main components that we needed uh, as we designed this were, one, a workflow tool to manage the process, and it cannot be a case management of support tickets. So uh, for phase one, we converged on Salesforce. It's simple, it's easy, it's not perfect, it's not the Mm -hmm. go-forward solution, but it's the one that, because Salesforce is the back end of our um, CRM, it was the easiest path to go down design right. a process, refine our requirements. We will move into a more um, customer success management platform uh, either towards the end of this year, or early next year as kind of a phase two. So that was component number one. Component number two was a learning management system. Um, the way I you know, was thinking about it, my onboarding process, I'm, I'm looking at a process that can enable a thousand new customers onboarded a month. And if you think about that number, every <laughs> hour, every hour that I save from the process, uh-huh. I save a thousand hours a month. Right. A thousand hours is about eight people. Yeah. So that's the magnitude. Yes. And by the way, if I'm going to get to 5,000 customers, I'm talking about 40 people right. for every one hour that I save. So th- this process design, this is why in the beginning, when you asked me about, you know, who is Talek? This is why it's so critical, because this is a scaled business. I need to get from 8,000 to 100,000 customers. Mm -hmm. And to do that, I have to be extremely efficient. And to be extremely efficient, you have to weigh in more on technology than on people, because people are very expensive. So we are designing a self-service training via a learning management system. Connect that to a very thoughtful, I hope, process designed right now in Salesforce and with a bunch of people at help. And our mindset towards the process as a whole is we're enabling both a DIY, do-it-yourself, and Mm -hmm. a DIT, do-it-together path. So every customer will start with a welcome call that will define the path for them. This is the process. These are the tools. These are the resources available for you. From this moment on, Mr. Customer, you are well-structured to do everything on your own if you want to, or you can use our help if you need our help. By the way, even those that are going DIY, we are going to measure and monitor every step of their way because it's us and we know, right? We know whether their hardware was installed. We know whether they completed the LMS training. We know whether they developed their menu, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So wherever things go aside, flags will come up in the system and we'll go to help the customer. So we can help customers from the get-go. We can let them do things on their own. And in other way of those, if things go away, we can intervene and help to improve the service. Perfect. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you like Strike Deck Radio, I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast, Reading for Success. Reading for Success is a short weekly podcast where I review books and articles on customer success leadership, break them down for you, and help you figure out whether or not they are worth your time. 
we will also be featuring author interviews from time to time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many of the other podcast platforms. I hope you'll join me for Reading for Success. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love data. If you want to create a data-driven customer success program, StrikeDeck's Pro Guide to Customer Success is a report based on a preliminary study of 5,600 CS professionals from nearly 600 companies. It highlights the scope of customer success and offers valuable data points to help CS professionals enhance their initiatives. Get access to it now and let data drive your decision making. We'll add the link in the description of this podcast. And now back to today's episode. So Boaz, tell us about some of the hurdles you faced as you've been working through your plan. Is there anything that you wish you had done differently in hindsight? Mm. Um, mm, that's a big that's a big question. I think the biggest hurdle is hiring. Hiring is hard. Yeah. Um, hiring is hard, especially when you build a new organization from scratch because you don't have anything to build on. So mm-hmm. even the process of defining job descriptions, getting the organization to agree on them, coaching the people who are interviewing on what to interview, it, it's all new for, for this organization we're part of. And at the same time, as I'm sure you know, and everybody in the audience know, that the, the market out there is good. So right. the, the good people are even harder to get, right? Mm-hmm. So hiring is hard and I've spent a lot of time and effort and I probably should have spent more time and more effort on it um, earlier on um, to, to staff uh, my people. My, my management team has um, four of the six positions it needs and every position I don't have is, is slowing me down, right? Of course. Yeah. So I'm on a big hiring. And by the way, once I fill in that, that tier of you know, managers, there's a whole slew of people underneath. I mean, right. we, we are going to move <laughs> 15x in number of customers. Obviously, I'm not going to grow the team by 15, but I'll grow the team dramatically. So yeah. there's a wave of hiring constantly coming from behind, and that's very hard to do. So if the, you're in the audience and you're a job seeker, keep Talik in mind <laughs> for the next but, but few months. But only if you're the best of the best. Because... <laughs> <laughs> if you're the best of the best. Um, that's awesome yeah the the other thing that i think worked quite well you asked about challenges but uh, you know what what i acknowledge i i kind of not wasted but invested a lot of time on is the education of people around me and around Mm -hmm. us as a company because you, you don't get the budgets if people don't agree and are excited about what you do and I, I spend a, a large portion of my time outside my job talking about my job, right? Educating people, bringing mm-hmm. them on board to that. And that's, um, that, that's, that's important. I think that's um, a big change management task. And I think you have to do that yes. or, you know, or you'll have a hard time moving forward with the plans that are, you know, a little more tactical. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing to do at all. It's just part no. of the job. Yeah, and, and I think it's it, it's critical to do and you need to acknowledge and take acknowledge that it's going to take a lot of time off your hands. Yeah. Right? You're going to go to a lot of meetings and present again here and present again there. And, you know, n- none of that comes into 
a quick decision. You go into a presentation, you come out with a budget, right? It's right. you socialize and you socialize again and you socialize again. And, you know, at some point you get to the budget discussion and hopefully you socialize things enough where people are like, oh, th- this is a priority. Definitely it should be high on the list, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's good that you call that out because people really underestimate how much time is going to go into that socializing of ideas inside their organizations, whether it's something like what you're doing, that's a brand new function, or it's just even pushing forward one of your initiatives. I would say that this, I know that I failed in this um, aspect in my past. I have too. In some places. Yeah. And I think that's a sign of, uh, for me, when I looked back at, you know, why, why did this mm-hmm. happen? Why didn't I get what I wanted? And I, I put my finger on the fact that I did not socialize enough. To mm-hmm. me, it was a realization that I wasn't mature enough in my thinking about my function. I was in the business, not mm-hmm. enough on the business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's as a, as, a, as a function, customer success, as an industry, I don't think there are enough of us who are at that level thinking about that level of promotion of the business within companies. That's part of the maturity, right? Sales is doing fantastic in that domain, right? Mm-hmm. Marketing in the last 20, 30 years has done fantastic in that domain. I think customer success leaders need to move more into that mindset of educating, yeah. promoting themselves and their functions and um, how to um, quantify their impact in order to get the right budget. It's not enough to say it's important, right? You have to really get people to agree to the economics behind it. Right. Because there's always trade-offs. You know, if, if you're getting... If you're getting budget, somebody else isn't getting that same budget. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it's early days, but what are some of the wins that you've seen so far from this transformation and how are customers responding? So customers have not seen this yet. Right? Okay. This is building behind the scene and we will launch in, in, uh, in September. Um, I think the, the wins were generally we have gotten the, I've gotten the agreement of the business at loud, mm-hmm. right? The, the the bank, right? To this yeah. direction, and so that's far great. have been approved. You know the budgets I've requested, so that that's wonderful, right? Yes. Uh, the second thing is that we we have converged on a workflow solution. We have converged on an LMS solution. We got the contracts signed and and executed. We have the design going inside. We're kind of fine tuning the last pieces. So the technology infrastructure is there. The process is going through, and like I said, hiring is on the way, right? I have two mm-hmm. of the uh, four new positions um, in my management team filled with absolutely fantastic people. I'm thrilled. Um, so th- this is, you know, the, the right set of steps. Lots of work still to do. Yeah. So normally I'd ask about your recommendations for somebody in a similar situation, but I feel like you've already given me a whole bunch of recommendations <laughs> and ideas. So instead, I'll ask you this. Um, what's next for your CS program? So I need to build a customer management function next to okay. the onboarding and professional services. Um, that will be very, very interesting. The, the main insight that I got from working on it in the last um, you know, three, four months and, and this is interesting because it's the first, Talek is the first company I have worked with where the entire business is SMB. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've almost, almost always had SMBs as part of my portfolio of customers, but they were never the whole business. When you right. think about <laughs> it as the whole business, it's actually very different. I'll give you one example. Right. The profile of a CSM. When you think about the profile of a CSM normally in, in businesses, you think about relationship management, communication style, in-person in, in interactions or phone calls, etc. None of that is really relevant here. Right. Um, the, the, the people that are going to be customer managers um, in my team will have hundreds, if not thousands of customers. They will work kind of on the intersection between data science and marketing right. with a bent toward customer success. It's a different profile. Right. And it just dawned on me as I was working, as I was interviewing people, what the different characteristic is. Um, this is, by the way, one of um, an aha moment that came to me as I was talking to people about this. In sales, the common wisdom is you, you get junior people, you give them small accounts to sell to. And as they grow and improve, you give them larger accounts, which, by the way, come with larger quotas and larger commissions, mm -hmm. right? The greatest salespeople will sell to the strategic customer, right? There's a, there's a trajectory there from small right. to large. And I think that what I've seen, and at least one place in my past, I already, I, I did myself and failed miserably, by the way, is some customer success people are trying to do the same, right? The junior people mm -hmm. you put on your key accounts or SMBs or the smaller, and as they mature and improve and grow, you move them into larger customers. And I think that that thinking is broken because it's not a progression. It's a different skill set. Yes. Relationship management in a face-to-face, one-on-one environment is fundamentally different from more data-driven, success plays, automation, marketing-oriented skill set. The skill set of, of a CSM in low-touch, tech-touch is different from the skill set of a CSM in high-touch. And that, is, that was an aha moment for me as I was building the work here, and you know, ho hopefully yeah. that can, be, can help others. I absolutely agree with you. I think... Um... I think, you know, if you're talking kind of like maybe your middle to upper tier and then enterprise, you could look at it as a progression. But I think if you're looking at enterprise versus a digital customer success program, those are two completely different skill sets. And I think Spot you're on. absolutely right. Like people tend to think, oh, I'll start someone out in the digital program. Well, in the digital program, they've got to be good at designing messaging, doing A-B split testing, looking for tiny sub-segments within the, the you know, segment they're working on to actually maybe do some human intervention on. But it's all analytics and marketing. That's and right. it's almost like being a program manager rather than being a customer manager. And then on the upper end, it's the classic relationship management type of a role. And those two don't always match. And it's not like one necessarily could grow into the other or even should. And so, yeah. yeah I, that's, completely, that's completely right, right? Tom Tomas uh, wrote a you know, small blog post at the end of mm -hmm. 2019 with his kind of you know, top five predictions for, for 2020. And uh, his number five was, uh, data science is the new CSM. Mm -hmm. And I, was, I remember I read it at a time and I was trying to understand. And, you know, it, it kind of made sense, right? Yes, we're going to be more data-driven. 
but only when I enter this place and I see the full depth and, and burden of working with, you know, SMBs, tech touch to, to the nth degree, do I understand mm-hmm. the impact of that statement and how, how true it is, right? This is mm-hmm. a very different um, structure. So that's one, one insight. The other insight, as we were working on developing the, the LMS and the learning program, and um, th- there were a lot of questions around how should we do it. And one of the insights became, and, and this is in the plan for us um, towards you know, 2021, mm-hmm. um, I would like to look at a structure where customers are not charged for incremental training, but rather receive a discount on their fee to us if they Mm. take incremental training. Oh, that's interesting. And the reason there is, if I can get customers to learn the system again and again, partially because Mm -hmm. people live on their side, partially because we we are a SaaS company, we we have sprints, right? We release new software every two weeks. you know, the next time the customer logs in, the software might be different. If I can get the customer to have a motivation to learn the system, A, they will use it more and better, and B, I will have less calls into support. So mm-hmm. I would love to find a way, and that's the, the kind of the sketching right mode in the, in the planning mode right now, to find a way to use um, training as a driver of discounts against, you know, some form of certification of a customer, et cetera, as opposed to charging them extra. And I think that will yield um, a, a positive ROI. I think so too. And, you know, that make your customers stickier, um, help them leverage the whole tool better. I, I, I think that's a really interesting idea. I, I, I haven't so. heard of anyone doing that before. Have you? Um. Not in this fashion, no. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) Well, Um, I think, you know, one of the things I was going to mention later in the episode, but I'll just mention it now. I want to get you back on here when you're a little bit further along on this project so we can talk about how things have been going. And so so you actually want to hold me accountable for all of these things I'm saying. I do. I do. Because I want to hear about the results. Let's go for it. So... Um, yes. So I think, I think we need to make sure that happens. And at that point, let's talk about that again, because I think that's a really interesting idea. All right. I'm on. So last question, this is something that we ask everybody that comes on the podcast. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? (laughs) You mean outside COVID? Um, (laughs) I know. I know that's all I've been talking about with people lately, but yes, outside COVID, or you could talk about COVID too. (laughs) Um, I, I think data, 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 and data. I, I, I yeah. think we are moving more and more towards data orientation. I think it's a sign of maturity for the business. I think customer success, in a way, is following the path that the HR function took in the last you know, 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. right? Used to be all about people relationship and, and, you know, very um, qualitative assessments. HR today is a number driven function, right? You are measuring the impact of your activities in employee cost of recruiting and employee cost of retention and employee engagement, right? It's Mm -hmm. very, very numeric analytical. 
mm-hmm. marketing has gone through the same thing, right? It used to be when, when I finished school, right? It used to be, you know, PR and, and right. creative design and it was Writing all very fluffy. And, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? And which yeah. conferences, because it's cool, um, yeah. it is an extremely data-driven organization today. It's all about yeah. the cost per click and it's about the conversion rates. And I think CS is far less mature than these two functions, but is definitely following the footsteps and is maturing uh, into that direction. So we we are we will see more and more tools that analyze data, more and more best practices and playbooks that are data-driven. And if you are a, in, in a CSM world or want to move into the CSM world, um, sharpen your skills in data, and I think you'll have a better career than if you stay with the, quote-unquote, the old guard of, um, you know, high-touch relationship management. Right. Get good at Excel <laughs> and spreadsheets <laughs> and data. Um, that was something I learned a couple of jobs ago from my boss, who is a chief financial officer. And I have to say, you know, as much as I disliked it at the time, that stuff that I learned in that job is the best thing I've ever learned and has um, really helped me propel my career forward. So the more you can get good at numbers and analytics, the better. I absolutely agree. Yep. So Boaz, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today and, and for sharing your insights. You and I agreed that you would come back at a later date and share more of your learning and results. So I'm excited for that episode and I know the audience will be too. I appreciate your time today. Much, much appreciated, Kristen. Thank you very much. Hey, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? I am very transparent on LinkedIn. Um, okay. You can connect with me. You can you know, look at things that I've wrote. Um, I'd love your feedback and insight on this podcast or other comments. Easy. Perfect. Thanks, Boaz. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.